May we have your attention, please? In our first episode on Trespass, we talked about the impact that Trespass can have on those directly and indirectly involved, about the increase in Trespass incidents and the related increase both in harm to those who Trespass and the trauma for those that witness its results, whether that be life-changing injuries or fatalities. We also talked about the research work that Network Rail and RSSB did, which produced a Trespass risk assessment tool for the industry. Today, I'm joined by Walt Cartwright, National Operations Safety Manager for DB Cargo UK, and Simon Martin, a Route Crime Manager with Network Rail. We'll talk about that tool and how it should benefit the industry by developing a more consistent approach, both to risk assessment and to the prevention methods used to reduce the number of trespass incidents. Welcome both, and thank you for joining me today. Could I ask you both to introduce yourselves and tell our audience how you came to your current role with the railways? First, Walt, please. Good morning, Ant. Good morning, Simon. I've been with the rail industry since 1985. I left school, got a job as an apprentice electrician at Thornaby in the northeast. I worked my apprenticeship and stayed with the engineering function up until 2007, when the uh, change of the business meant as give me the opportunity to go into the operations side, which I turned into like a safety assurance manager, into an area manager, and now into my current role of a national operations safety manager. Thank you, Walt. And now Simon. Hi, I'm, uh, yeah, so I'm Simon Martin. I'm the uh, regional performance improvement manager for Network Rail on the northwestern central region. And my focus around my performance improvement is for crime and suicide prevention. Uh, been on the railway for around 13 years now, worked in stations and previously in around level crossings as well. And that's led me to where I am today. Thank you, Simon. Can I come back to Walt first, please? Can we start with the research work that RSSB was asked to do about trespass and trespass risk assessment? Walt, you're a member of the industry's trespass risk group and a strong advocate for the work. Can you tell us why? Yes, so within the freight industry, we have seen some significant incidents over the years of trespass. Some have unfortunately led to either serious injury or fatalities. I was involved with one which led to a court case and it sort of like opened my eyes and I felt passionate about the work as an industry we need to do going forward. That's hence why I got involved with the trespass risk groups and the RSSB for the bow tie. Thank you, Walt. The research that RSSB has done with the industry has produced the Railway Trespass Risk Assessment Guide. How do you think that will benefit those who have to carry out trespass risk assessments? The good thing about the guide is that it allows us all to work towards one common goal. At the end of the day, the activity of trespass is the same. It doesn't matter whether you're a freight operator, a train operator, or just a freight end user. The activity of trespass is trespass. Where at the moment, we all assess trespass risk in different forms and different methods. There's no common stance. So there's nobody knows what good looks like. There's only 12 people who know what good looks like. And that's the jury when you're in the court of law with them. They're the ones who say you were guilty or not guilty for the actions that you, you were taken as a company. 
Therefore, using the risk assessment documentation, it allows us to say, if we all work to this standard, that is what good looks like. It's not going to say that will clear the problem. The problem with trespass will always be there, but it will help us identify the risks and reduce and put mitigation in place to stop it. Thank you, Walt. In the industry's safety strategy document, Leading Health and Safety on Britain's Railway, trespass is part of the public behaviour topic. And among its strategic challenges, it recognises many inconsistencies. One of those is what is as low as reasonably practicable when it comes to implementing mitigations to reduce the risk of trespass. Do you think the new guidance will help this? It certainly will. And one of the things is when you're doing a risk assessment as an opinion, and it depends on the facts that you've got in front of you, depends on the outcome from your opinion. With the guidance that's been developed, it will help us all drive to that common method of getting as low as reasonably practicable for it so that we all understand what we know. There is no clarity of what a LARP actually is. There's massive inconsistencies across the network post-privatisation of what good actually looks like. A fence to one company may want to be post and wire to another one. They might decide it needs to be three metre high palisade fencing. The issues out here is that we all assess risk in different ways as we all look at in our own little silos. The new documentation will help us look outside our silos. In the past, We wouldn't have contacted any other company regarding security risk assessments prior to an instant. Hopefully, the new systems that we've got set up in place and new documentation will help us all join together as one because it's an industry problem that us as stakeholders, we've got to tackle together. And now, Simon, please. Trespass isn't restricted to freight yards and depots. Indeed, a large percentage of trespass incidents happen within 250 metres of a station. Could you briefly tell us why these areas are so prone to trespass and what Network Rail, as the owner and operator responsible for most of the rail network, does to assess trespass risk and to prevent it from happening? Yeah, so in around stations themselves, obviously these these are hubs that bring people in whatever reason people are traveling for. And particularly sort of larger hubs, we see an increased risk of trespass, obviously because there's a greater number of people. You know, realistically, a lot of the time, the more people we see in around a hub, the more incidents we see. Incidents can sort of revolve around lots of different reasons, but I'd suggest that the main reasons are fare evasion. So when we've got ticket barriers, for example, and people don't want to pay that fare or go through that ticket barrier, and they look for a shortcut off the station. Again, shortcuts home. So even if they have paid a fare, uh, they might want to try and uh, take that, that quicker route home to get home sooner. We see antisocial behaviour. Obviously, younger sort of youths and kids go to locations in around. They're quite quiet stations, so they can get away with sort of being a location where they can mess around, but it causes us a lot of problems, obviously. And also mental health, we've seen an increase recently. Sort of cries for help, not necessarily suicidal incidents or individuals, but people who've got mental health issues that are going to stations and they use those locations as a cry for help. We identify these locations, so we review data every four weeks and we select locations that we call hotspots. So these hotspots are where we have 12 incidents in any 13 rolling periods. 
And from that data, we have a set process to follow that's governed within Network Rail and what we call the Root Crime Toolkit. And this involves around identifying the locations, completing a deep dive into the location so we understand the what, who and where. And that will guide us then for our site visit. So we go and complete a site visit with other industry partners, such as the, the train operators and the BTP. And we look at that area and the surrounding area to see what we can do to make improvements. So that might be physical measures or it might be softer measures such as education or signage and awareness. So there's there's lots of lots of different things that we do get involved with. So the short term are the softer measures, the education. We've got patrol teams that actively go to locations that we're seeing issues at. We have covert camera operations that link in with the BTP for data collection purposes and also a response purpose from the BTP. And then longer term, we look at the, the more physical elements. So bigger and better fencing, platform end gates, improved signage and protection around structures uh, and bridges. Simon, you've trialled some new trespass prevention methods at one of the country's major railway hubs. Could you tell us something about that and what the results have been? We installed some improved fencing, should we say, to a location that had 1.8 metre high fencing and access gates and also some 1.6 metre high old iron railings, if you like. Um, The problem with the 1.8 metre high access gates is that you can step on the locker mechanism to negate the fence. But we went with some 2.4 metre high fencing, which means the locking mechanism can't be used to climb over it because you can't physically get your body over that fence. We did some analysis pre-installation, 13 periods, so one year and 13 periods post-installation, and we saw an 81% reduction in delay minutes at that location and a 92% reduction in incidents. So we're going to utilise that going forward to guide us some decisions and also do some future analysis to see if that's working at other locations too. Thank you both for taking the time to talk to us today about trespass risks and the mitigations that could be put in place and about the risk assessment tool. Preventing trespass is just one of the ways in which we can and have to deliver a better, safer railway. And we now have some authoritative guidance on how and what industry members can do to reduce that risk to a level that is as low as reasonably practicable. But to stop trespass completely, the only message we can give is to the public at large. If you don't have permission to be on the railway, don't go on the railway. I'd also like to thank all our listeners for staying with us to the end. If you have any comments about this or any other of our podcasts or ideas for another episode, please let me know by emailing podcasts at rssb.co.uk. And don't forget to visit the blogs page on the RSSB website where you'll find the show notes for every episode, which include links to some useful related resources. Until the next time, thank you and goodbye.